Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm glad that you are here this morning. Welcome to Hilton Head Island Community Church, if it's your first time. Uh, we're glad that you have joined us in worship. Today, uh, when you came in, you received uh, our notes, and I just want to draw your attention to those notes as it'll kind of be a guide for our message as we close out a series that we've been in. This is our sixth week. Some of you are like, thank goodness it's over. It's called This Is My Family. Um, some of you have, may have enjoyed it. That's, that's great. But uh, we are in our last and uh, final and sixth uh, episode, I guess you could say, of uh, This Is My Family. And so we'll bring things to a conclusion today. Um, if you're not a you know, handwritten notes person, that's fine. Um, you can take your device or tablet or whatever you want, and you can access our website. There's free Wi-Fi here. It's called Guest. You can join that. And you can go there and you can access our notes. And if you are an Apple user, you can download um, our app. So we'd love to invite you to do that. In this series, uh, we've been talking about what God's Word says about family. And so uh, we've just been walking through the standard for living, which is God's Word. We always, in every series that we do, we always come back to the Word of God, which is a standard for living. And so uh, I want to encourage you to always do that and to uh, look to His Word for guidance as uh, his word says it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And so we're looking to God's word um, to find out what it says about family. And so we've been in this series, and Scripture has a lot to say about family. And God has a design that's very specific. Uh, his design for family is very specific. And as we have journeyed through this series, um, it's been interesting because a lot of you have come up to me um, either afterwards or throughout the week or maybe sent me um, a nice email um, or maybe not so nice an email, saying, Todd, this is so emotional. Come on, can we have a break, please? You know, this is just like painstaking. Um, today is that break. <laughs> uh, so we've uh, walked through this, and it has been very raw. It's been very real. Um, many of you have said that you've had a lot of in-depth conversations at home with your, with your kids or maybe with your spouse uh, about some of the issues that we've been bringing up. And if that's the case, and if something good comes of that in terms of you moving forward in your relationship or your home life to become more like God's design, um, then good, I've done my job. <laughs> and uh, so that's really good. But today, we take a little bit of a different kind of twist on things, and we're going to be talking about the family. This is my family. We're going to be talking about it in terms of this is the family of God, and that we are all a part of the family of God as we end here today. It's interesting because as we've approached this series, uh, I'll remind you that one of the things that we've done is we've kind of contrasted and compared God's design with our current circumstance. And as I've talked, um, many of you have realized, and this is what you've kind of responded to me with, is like, this is God's design, but my current family looks nothing like God's design. And I want to remind you that throughout our series, what we've said is, is that if this is God's design and your family looks like this, that God's grace is what will help balance that out. It's God's grace through the saving power of Jesus Christ that will help balance that out. The difference between what God's design is and what your current circumstance is. 
And so I hope that for many of you, it's been a message of hope and maybe even promise as you've looked towards the future that God's grace will see you through whatever situation you're in, whether you've brought about that situation or whether it's been forced upon you, that God's grace will see you through. Now, having said that, it doesn't matter whatever situation we're in, whether your family looks perfectly like God intended it to be, and we'll do a review of that in a minute, or whether yours looks like a circumstance that doesn't even reflect it at all, regardless of where you are kind of on that uh, spectrum uh, of, of possibilities, it's our responsibility, if you're a Christ follower, if we are Christ followers, to do our best to pursue God's design for our family. And so it's the same thing in terms of the family of God. The same thing is true for the church, that we ought to be pursuing God's best for our family, the body of Christ here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And so today we're going to be taking a look at three things that I believe will help us do that to follow God's best, God's design for the church here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, or if you're part of another church back in Ohio or Michigan. It applies to your church as well. I am just so mean to Ohio, I threw Michigan in that time. Okay, uh, just by way of review, if you haven't been with us these past few weeks, we began in week one, and we talked about God's design for marriage, and we talked about the fact that marriage is the centerpiece, marriage between one woman and one man until death uh, is God's design for as the centerpiece for the family, and that's what he intended. That was his design that's his best. And that was what we talked about in week one. We talked about what happens if there's a departure from that and that sort of thing. Week two, we talked about what the roles are of a mom and a dad and a husband and a wife. And we talked about roles of students and, and children because you guys, students and kids, you're not exempt from this, okay? You have a responsibility here too. And so we talked about those different things. In week three, Cody and I had some guests here on stage and we talked about what it's like to, to be a part of a, a, a blended family or maybe even a broken family. And what do we do in those circumstances? How can we look to God's word to help us through those circumstances which many of you are facing or have faced at different parts of your life? In uh, week four, Cynthia and I shared a little bit of our journey, kind of the good, bad, and the ugly of our journey over 18 years of being married. And uh, it was really neat this weekend um, we got to go to our alma mater, Liberty University, go Flames, where we met in Lynchburg, Virginia, and um, we had a nice time reminiscing about when we met. We um, were set up on a blind date, and both couples are married. Isn't that cool? So anyway, it was really neat, and, we, and the other couple was there uh, at homecoming, so it was really neat to see them. So uh, you probably didn't need to know that, but anyway, it's fun. So anyway, um, and so we shared some different rules that we have for our marriage that's helped us get through some very difficult times in our marriage uh, that are based in God's Word. And so if you were here last week, you heard from Dr. Diane Pierce, and what we did is we had many of you submit your questions about marriage and family, and what were some of your questions. And so we had a licensed family therapist, Dr. Diane Pierce, and she and I answered a lot of your questions. Well, actually, she answered your questions, because she's the expert. And um, so I heard back from many of you that that was a very good thought-provoking uh, conversation last week. And so today, we want to make that transition to the family as we've been talking about God's design for the family, uh, moms and dads, children and that sort of thing, to the family of God because scripture is full, full of examples that we are part of the family of God. Before we dive in, I don't know about you, 
um, I'd like to pray, and let's ask for God's blessing on our time uh, here over these next few moments. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much uh, for your word, and God, we thank you for this series that uh, may have caused a lot of discussion among husbands and wives and um, children and parents. And God, I pray that uh, if there are some issues that are still outstanding that need to be dealt with in homes and marriages in this room, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would um, help guide those conversations. And God, I pray that we would always, always, always look to your word for the solutions to our challenges and problems and situations in life. And God, today as we make the transition to how do we operate within our family, the family of God here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, I pray that uh, today's message um, would be convicting and challenging for some who are in here. And God, I pray that for some it would be a message of hope and of promise about the future of family. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us into wisdom and knowledge and truth today. Be with us. Pierce our hearts. And God, I pray that you would lead us to a place where we understand what it means to be a part of your family, the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, take your notes. Um, there's, two, there's one thing I want to do before we dive into the notes. Many of you have responded to me about things that are going on in your, your homes. And I want to encourage you um, to let us know how we can pray for you in those areas. As we're ending this series, um, I want to make sure as your pastor that I'm praying for you. Um, you don't need to go too specifically, or maybe you want to, I don't know. But if there are certain situations that you want me to be praying for, or our staff, or our prayer team, please let us know by filling that back of that card out, and uh, you can turn that in today when we're done. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? We're going to dive right into the notes this morning. What does it mean? Three points, a very easy outline this morning, a very easy message this morning in terms of understanding it. I pray it'll be challenging and convicting and uh, full of hope and promise. First of all, everyone who chooses to become a Christ follower is a part of the family of God. Everyone who chooses to become a Christ follower is a part of the family of God. I want you to hear this. Um, if you're in here today, and at some point in your, your life, you've chosen to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are part of the family of God. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you confess your sin, if you have put your faith or your trust in Jesus, if you've believed that God sent His Son Jesus to die for our sins, if you've believed that for your salvation, then you are part of the family of God. Of God. Now, just to kind of drill a little bit deeper here, think about this. This is God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. He's the one that gives us the breath to live another day on this earth. He's the one that spun the stars and the moon and the sun and this beautiful planet that we live. He's the one that put all of this into place. And you who have decided to become Christ followers, you are a child of God. You're a part of the family of God. John speaks of this in John 1.12. He says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed, I want you to say that word with me, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
You see, at the moment that you make a decision, that you choose to believe, you become a member of the family of God. There's a link between belief and being a part of the family of God. And it's your choice. You can go through life and you can never choose to believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Or you can choose. And when you do, when you make that decision, then you are part of the family of God. It's kind of like you choose to believe and God chooses to adopt you as a part of the family of God. And the whole subject of adoption is is probably a message for another day. A great message because I don't know about you. I love the picture that God chose us. Let's face it, we don't choose our family, do we? We don't choose who we come from, do we? Some of you are like, I would really have liked to have had a say-so in that subject, God. One of the questions you may ask when you, uh, are, you know, are with him in heaven. But we get to choose Jesus, and by doing so, he chooses to adopt us. By accepting his free gift of eternal life, we make God our Father. Isn't that amazing? the creator of heaven and earth. I have a friend, his name's Stan Thomas. Stan has uh, spoken here before. He's a pastor in the Atlanta area, fantastic young, gifted communicator and guy who's passionate about discipleship. And um, Stan, I love, I've known him for almost a decade now, and I love what he says because I've always said, and I pray this often, I'll say, Father, when I pray, I'll say, Father. And Jesus taught us to pray to our Father, God the Father, because that's who he is. He's our Father. But, you know, it's interesting in today's vernacular, father is a little less endearing and a little bit more of a title, isn't it? That's just the way it's become. But Stan, when he prays, you know how he prays? He says, oh, daddy. He prays to God the father as dad or daddy. I love that name. Isn't that great? It's so endearing. How many of you are dads in here? Raise your hand if you're a father. Isn't it great when your kids come up to you or when they were young and they came up to you and they said, they stretched their arms out and they said, Daddy, it's the best, isn't it, dads? That's the picture of the relationship that we can have with God the Father. And I love my friend Stan. He's kind of taught me a little bit about seeing God, not just as our father, a little more of a formal title, but Daddy, the one that's going to take care of our needs. The, ones, the one that's going to comfort us when we need to be comforted. The one that's going to help us when we need help. The one that's going to correct us when we need correction. And I realize that when I say father and when I say dad, that some of you don't connect with that because maybe your dad wasn't around. Um, maybe he was negligent or impersonal or perhaps even abusive. And I'm so sorry about that. But God can change your view of father if you allow him to and my challenge to those of you who are in there and in here today and you're you're like that you have trouble saying that god is dad he can change that my encouragement is that you wake up each day saying daddy can you help me through this day daddy supply all of my needs i love that term daddy when we become christ followers we are adopted into the family of god and the vertical relationship the relationship that we have with god the father the maker of heaven and earth is amazing it's incredible we can have that kind of intimacy with god the father you know stan i know stan's dad stan has a great earthly dad he's got a great guy for a dad 
but he even recognizes that God the Father can be so much more. That vertical relationship when we become children of God is just absolutely remarkable. And then we realize that there's not just a vertical relationship that we have once we become Christ followers. There's a horizontal relationship that we have with each other. Take a look at, to your left for a moment. Look at the person to your left. All right? Now look to the person to your right. All right? Now look back up at me. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that, is that good or bad? No, I'm, you don't have to answer that. I'm just kidding. Don't answer that, especially husbands and wives. You see, here's the thing. We've got a relationship with a perfect God, the Father, that's a vertical relationship. But when it comes to each other, we're not perfect. We're far from it. And so it causes problems, doesn't it? There's this thing that entered the world at the beginning of humanity called sin. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they decided to rebel against God and sin has been with us ever since. And the problem is, is that this can be perfect with God the Father, but this will never be perfect. But God's Word has a lot to say about how we as the family of God ought to operate with each other. It's your second point this morning. The family of God is designed so that we have the opportunity to display the fruits of the Spirit toward one another. The family of God is designed so that we have the opportunity to display the fruits of the Spirit towards one another. You see, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, those of us who are Christ followers, and we have to operate under certain rules, just like you may have house rules in your house. We have to operate with certain rules, with certain characteristics, with certain kind of uh, boundaries in mind. And God's Word, especially the New Testament, has a lot to say about that. I want to point out two different passages in the New Testament. Both of them were written by the Apostle Paul that will help us to understand how we should operate as the family of God. We did house rules for our family. This is kind of house rules for our church. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. And look at what he says. He says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. He's talking about spiritual maturity there. Let's stop for a moment. He's talking about becoming spiritually mature. Okay, so I want to set the stage for that. So how do you determine what spiritually mature is? We'll take a look at it in a minute. Verse 16, he says, From whom the body, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint. He's making a comparison to the body. That's where we get the term the body of Christ is from this verse. Which is equipped... When each part is working properly, that means all of us have a responsibility to work properly with each other, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love. Love. You see, there are um, church experts out there, believe it or not, that will tell you that there are certain things that we ought to evaluate spiritual maturity by. It usually has to do with numbers. You know, they would look at a church and they go, well, how many people are in your church? How many people have you baptized? How many people have gotten saved? 
Uh, how many people are involved in small groups or life groups? How many people do you have in your kids' ministry, your student ministry? How much money is coming in? And those are all ways to evaluate church growth. And, and in some cases, we do that here. We only talk about those kind of things here and there. And in some cases, that gives us a general kind of macro view of how a church is doing. If things are going well, if numbers are increasing, then the Spirit of God must be moving and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't believe it tells the whole story. I don't believe it tells the whole story about the maturity level of a body of believers, a family of God. You see, I think the way to determine or the way to measure our maturity level as a family is by the love that we have for each other. So we have to start with that foundational element before we're ever going to reach our community with the light of Christ. We have to show love towards each other. But what does that mean? What detailed wise, what does that mean? Well, I believe that Paul answers that question in his message to the churches in the area of Galatia in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Many of you know this passage very well, but let's talk about it here this morning in relation to each of us. He says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says this, against all things, against such things, there is no law. You see, the churches in the early day who operated based on the Old Testament law, they were asking the church leaders in the first century, now that Jesus has come, what does the law have to do with anything? And Paul answers them here, and essentially what he says is the law anymore doesn't matter if you have these things. And he lists what we have today as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, last summer we did a whole series. I don't know if you remember that. We did a whole series, and each week we took a different one of the fruit, and we talked about it. So I'm not going to go into detail on each of these this morning. I related last year's message a little bit more geared towards how we operate as husbands and wives, how we operate with our kids, how we operate at school and at work. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that these fruit of the Spirit aren't reserved just for our relationships at home and at work and at school. They also should be how we as a church operate. That's how we love each other. And by the way, both times when Paul mentions love, he's not talking about the romantic kind of love, of course, eros. He's not talking about the brotherly kind of love, which is phileo. That's kind of like my best friend, Brian. I'm like, hey, man, love you. <laughs> That's how deep we guys get. You know, Love you, man. And, and so he's not talking about phileo. He's not talking about eros. He's talking about agape, a God kind of love that we ought to have for each other. And here's the one word I want you to remember about the type of love that Paul's talking about. Selfless love. It's that simple. It's selfless love. It's the type of love that God displayed when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. It was completely and utterly selfless. And so Paul goes on to give us these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's how each of us in the family of God here at Hilton Head Island Community Church can play our part, is that we can treat each other with this kind of selfless love. 
with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. And so we can operate that way, but it takes focus. It takes intentionality. We just don't wake up doing this. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I, even as your pastor, am hard to love. I'm very difficult because of sin in my life to have joy towards or to have peace towards or to have patience towards or self-control. And you're the same way. We all have sin, and so it's hard to do these things. It's difficult to do these things. Let's just be honest. There may be somebody sitting in this room that just quite honestly has ticked you off in the past. It's hard to show the fruits of the Spirit towards that person, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, I probably have ticked you off in the last 20 minutes. And you're like, yeah, it is, Todd, as a matter of fact. We have a responsibility to walk according to the Spirit of God and to operate and be decisive about operating with the fruits of the Spirit. It takes us walking with the Spirit of God. It takes us being close to Him, to be connected with Him. And then it takes making a decision that you're going to decide that you're going to use these characteristics to operate with each other. You see, if we do that, then we can be a unified, functioning body of Christ, a family that's together, a family of God that's together. So we understand that God is our Father, that we are children of God, that we are adopted into the family of God. We understand that there's a way that we should operate with each other. And then lastly, number three, the family of God should be a people should be a people recognized by their generous giving to those who are in need. A people of God recognized by their generous giving to those who are in need. Now, we looked at this passage a few months back in a series that we did on life groups called um, Get a Life. And uh, I want to take you back to this again. This is Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Uh, He's the one that wrote the book of Luke, okay, just so try to make sure that you're awake here this morning. So he wrote the book of Acts, he wrote the the gospel uh, of Luke, and he's writing about the first church, and he says this in Acts 2, 44 and 45. He said, all who, what's that word again? Believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Once again, we see that being a part of the family of God, the first church, what's the link? Is that they had a common belief. We see that again, that it's our belief that puts us into the family of God. And in this first church, the thing that they had in common was that they believed that God sent Jesus to die on the cross and to rise again three days later for the forgiveness of Sins. That was their belief. That was the thing that unified them. And then once they were unified around that mission, then they gave, they sold their possessions, and they gave to everyone, it says, as they had need. It wasn't just people within the church, but it was also people outside the church. They came together and they pulled their resources together to be a giving group of people. I'm not one on uh, Christian cliches, but I'm going to use one this morning. Um, We as a church, we as members of the family of God, need to give our time and our talent and our treasure. And some of you are like, oh great, here he is. The third point, he's going to talk about giving money. Of course, he's going to talk about giving money. Yep, that's what I'm going to talk about, giving money. But I also want to step back and talk about giving not just of your treasure, not just of money, but I want to talk about giving your time and your talent. 
We have the opportunity to serve each other and to serve our church and to serve our community together. And when we do, we're a unified family. The average person that's involved in church, statistics tell us, will give one hour per week to church. Now think about that for a moment. The average church service is what? One hour. So if the average person is giving an hour a week to church, coffee is not going to get made for church in the morning. You'll show up one day and all of the kids back in Island Kids will be going crazier than normal because there won't be anybody to help. Cody will show up and it'll just be Cody back here helping our students It takes more than us committing just one hour a week if we are going to serve each other and serve the body of Christ. Abby is our new staff member. She's our Island Kid director back in Island Kids, and she's doing an amazing job, but she needs your help. Those of you who are parents, I want to encourage you not just to drop your kids off, but talk to Abby about how you can serve in Island Kids. If you are uh, someone who has uh, someone who's a teenager and you feel God's calling you and you're gifted to serve, serve with our students. Talk with Cody about how you can serve. Serve on our guest service team. Um, That coffee doesn't just get made in the morning. The cars don't just park themselves. It takes all of us serving and giving generously together. And here's another thing. If you see a need in the community that you feel like you can fill on behalf of Hilton Head Island Community Church, You don't need our permission to do that. You can just meet that need. You can just serve in that way. However God has called you to do that. We each are the body of Christ. We're members of the family of God and we can serve together. And then we can give of our our treasure. And that's the last thing this morning that we can give towards. We can give based on what God has given to us. The Bible says that we ought to give 10% of what we've been given, that we ought to give a tithe, that's what that word means, back to God. And for some of you who have never experienced the joy of giving just a portion of what God has given you, I want to tell you just from personal experience and having struggled through that issue in my life, there is tremendous joy in giving a portion back to God as he's told us to do. Tremendous joy. For those of you who already tithe and who already give, um, maybe God wants you to do more than 10%. 10%, I think, is a biblical minimum kind of like standard of what God uh, requests that we give and commands us to give. But maybe some of you can do even more. The first church gave generously. They sold their possessions, and they gave as they had need. They gave their time and their talent and their treasure If we understand that we are children of God, if we understand that we are a body, a family that's come together under God as God our Father, it'll be amazing what happens. If we begin to treat each other and if we continue treating each other with the fruit of the Spirit, which by the way, I think we do a pretty good job of that here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. If we continue in that, man, we're going to be unified and on mission for God, a people who are attractive to those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And finally, if we're a giving church, if we're giving generously, oh, it's amazing what could happen in and among us. A few questions to answer. These are questions I want to challenge you this week to ask of yourself. First of all, is your life marked by kindness? 
Is your life marked by kindness? Are you a kind person? That's kind of a summary of those fruit of the Spirit. Is your life marked by kindness? Do you have compassion for the people and the family of God? Are you pulled at your heart to help solve a problem or serve someone that you see in need? Third, when offended, do you easily forgive members of the family of God? Oh, we haven't even talked about forgiveness today, but forgiveness can go a long way within the family of God of solving problems and potential areas that we wouldn't be unified. Fourth, do you serve people in the family of God out of obligation or because you love them? See, if we give and if we serve out of obligation, we'll never have any joy. But if we serve because God's called us to, and if we serve because we truly love people, it'll be amazing the kind of joy that we can receive from that. And finally, when you see a need in the family of God, do you respond to it? This past week, I mentioned Cynthia and I and the family, we drove up to our alma mater homecoming weekend, um, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, we had a great time showing our kids who are at that age where they're actually interested in like what mom and dad were doing in college because like they weren't a few years ago and I know that they're not going to be when they're teenagers. I get that. So we took them up to Liberty and we had a great time and um, we took them to the football game last night and I had to leave a little bit early to come back here. And uh, we had a great time at Liberty. It's an amazing place up there in Virginia. But I had to catch a flight back here uh, to be with you today. And so I flew from Lynchburg to Charlotte. When I got to Charlotte, I ran to the gate as you do, and I don't know if you've ever been in Charlotte, but you do a lot of walking or running in the Charlotte airport. Everything's spread so far out. And so I ran up to the gate and I got there and on the gate, it wasn't anywhere else, but on the gate, it said that our flight had been delayed two hours. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get home at like 1 a.m. This, you know, this is just awful. And then I got thinking, I'm not going to get home. I'm going to have to call one of y'all to give the message this morning. You know, this, this is going to be crazy. And so I asked the lady, I said, hey, when are y'all going to know? Is this plane going to be canceled? You know, and I'm asking her and very politely. And so anyway, um, at least verbally, in my mind, I was not thinking good things at the time. But anyway, I calmed down. I got simmered down. And I watched over the next hour and a half people coming up to the gate and screaming at the gate agent. It's funny. You'll watch people they'll, in, under normal circumstances. They'll talk to the gate agent, and they, they won't ever mention them by name. But if there's a delay, they mention them by name. It's like, Robert. I have to get home, like all the other people don't have to get home, you know, so anyway. So they come up to the gate, and they're screaming, and they're whining, and they're complaining, and they're giving us excuses, you know, the airline's giving us its excuses, which they were all different. It was the weather at first, and then it was mechanical issues, and then it was the flight crew, which, by the way, mechanical issues, don't you love that? That's reassuring when you're flying. The plane is broken. We're fixing it. I'm excited to get on that plane. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, they were telling us it was the weather and the mechanical issues, and then the, the flight crew was delayed, and then they came back and said it was mechanical issues, and they were back and forth. But people were screaming and complaining, and hands were going up in the air, and you know, people were throwing their tickets at the gate agent, and you know, they were mad. And I think we were the last flight out, so I can understand. You know, people are getting frustrated. But you know what I saw there? I saw what a picture of the body of Christ would be if we don't operate with these three things in mind. Because let's face it, 
We all have struggles. We all have problems. This isn't a perfect place. And if we don't operate with these three key ideas in mind, we will be a dysfunctional body of Christ, a dysfunctional family of God. But when we do, look out. It's amazing what can happen. When we do, when we get this, we can operate and we can be a light in our world.